the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Onward into hour number two we go. It's eight minutes past ten o'clock on this Monday, the 30th morning of the ninth month of the year of our Lord, 2019. Thank you for being with us for the Bob France Authority. Phone lines will be open again in just a few minutes. Not at the moment, though. I'm going to ask you to hang on. If you're on hold, you can stay there. Uh, if you're not, uh, dial in a few minutes when I tell you it's time. Because I want to share with you something. And the phone lines, by the way, are 216 or 888-281-1110. Um, I want to share something with you that I found very, very valuable from the Hugh Hewitt program this morning. I told you in the last hour there are two things that we need to focus on here with respect to this uh, continued harassment of the President of the United States, these ridiculously unfounded, non-evidenced impeachment hearings or inquiries that are being made right now by by, uh, congressional demon rats. Um, the two things you have to focus on are how deep this runs in terms of the deep state. The fact that over the course of the last year, the intelligence community very secretly uh, changed the rules for reporting on whistleblower, I mean, uh, filing whistleblower comp- uh, complaints. You don't have to have first-hand knowledge now. Now we're going to actually run this uh, the way REO Speedwagon does. Heard it from a friend no more first-hand knowledge required. You can hear it from somebody who heard it from somebody else and maybe even heard it from somebody else that you did something wrong, and now we can impeach a president over this. So the depth of this, going back to the um, IC's changing of the requirements for whistleblowers, is number one, and number two, the transcript. Again, why do we even need a whistleblower's account when the president declassified and ordered the release of the transcript? Unredacted. Word for word, what was said between Donald Trump and the Ukrainian president. So uh, on Hugh Hewitt's program this morning, he uh, went 
voice to voice with uh, Generalissimo Dwayne, his his uh, executive producer, and the two of them did a little role play here and read the the transcript word for word. President Trump's voice followed by uh, the Ukrainian President Zelensky's voice. So you listen to this. It's really important to listen to this in its entirety. It's about nine and a half minutes long. It's worth me giving up a segment of my show in order to share this with you. This is what they're trying to impeach a president over. Listen carefully and tell me if you hear anything that even remotely rises to the level of holding a president accountable by declaring his uh, election essentially invalidated by removing him from office. Please listen. This is worth our time. Congratulations on a great victory. We all watched from the United States. You did a terrific job. The way you came from behind, somebody who wasn't given much of a chance, and you ended up winning easily. It's a fantastic achievement. Congratulations. You are absolutely right, Mr. President. We did win big, and we worked hard for this. We worked a lot, but I would like to confess to you that I had an opportunity to learn from you. We used quite a few of your skills and knowledge and were able to use it as an example for our elections. And yes, it is true that these were unique elections. We were in a unique situation that we were able to achieve a unique success. I'm able to tell you the following. The first time you called me to congratulate me when I won my presidential election, and the second time you were now calling me when my party won the parliamentary election. I think I should run more often, so you can call me more often and we can talk over the phone more often. Ha ha ha, laughter. That's a very good idea. I think your country is very happy about that. Well, yes, to tell you the truth, we are working to, we are trying to work hard because we wanted to drain the swamp here in our country. We brought in many, many new people. Not the old politicians, not the typical politicians, because we want to have a new format and a new type of government. You are a great teacher for us and in that. Well, it's very nice of you to say that. I will say that we do a lot for Ukraine. We spend a lot of effort and a lot of time, much more than the European countries are doing. And they should be helping you more than they are. Germany does almost nothing for you. All they do is talk. And I think it's something that you should really ask them about. When I was speaking to Angela Merkel, she talks Ukraine, but she doesn't do anything. A lot of the European countries are the same way, so I think it's something you want to look at. But the United States has been very good to Ukraine. I wouldn't say that it's reciprocal necessarily, because things are happening that are not good. But the United States has been very good to Ukraine. Yes, you are absolutely right. Not only 100%, but actually 1,000%. And I can tell you the following. I did talk to Angela Merkel, and I did meet with her. I also met and talked with Macron, and I told them that they are not doing quite as much as they need to be doing on the issues with the sanctions. They are not enforcing the sanctions. They are not working as much as they should work for Ukraine. It turns out that even though logically the European Union should be our biggest partner, but technically the United States is a much bigger partner than the European Union, and I'm very grateful to you for that because the United States is doing quite a lot for Ukraine, much more than the European Union, especially when we are talking about sanctions against the Russian Federation. I would also like to thank you for your great support in the area of defense. We are ready to continue to cooperate for the next step specifically. We are most ready to buy more javelins from the United States for defense purposes. I would like you to do us a favor, though, because our country has been through a lot and Ukraine knows a lot about it. I would like you to find out what happened with this whole situation with Ukraine. They say, CrowdStrike, I guess you have one of your wealthy people, the server. They say Ukraine has it. 
There are a lot of things that went on the whole situation. I think you're surrounding yourself with some of the same people. I would like to have the Attorney General call you or your people, and I'd like you to get to the bottom of it. As you saw yesterday, that whole nonsense ended with a very poor, with a very poor performance by a man named Robert Mueller. An incompetent performance. But they say a lot of it started with Ukraine. Whatever you can do, it's very important that you do it if that's possible. Yes, it is very important for me and everything that you just mentioned earlier. For me as a president, it is very important that we are open for any future cooperation. We are ready to open a new page on cooperation and relations between the United States and Ukraine. For that purpose, I just recalled our ambassador from the United States, and he will be replaced by a very competent and very experienced ambassador who will work hard on making sure that our two nations are getting closer. I would also like and hope to see him having your trust and your confidence and have personal relations with you so we can cooperate even more so. I will personally tell you that one of my assistants spoke with Mr. Giuliani just recently, and we are hoping very much that Mr. Giuliani will be able to travel to Ukraine, and we will meet once he comes to Ukraine. I just wanted to assure you once again that you have nobody but friends around us. I will make sure that I surround myself with the best and most experienced people. I also wanted to tell you that we are friends. We are great friends. And you, Mr. President, have friends in our country, so we can continue our strategic partnership. I also plan to surround myself with great people, and in addition to that investigation, I guarantee as the president of Ukraine that all the investigations will be done openly and candidly. That I can assure you. Good, because I heard you had a prosecutor who was very good, and he was shut down, and that's really unfair. A lot of people are talking about that. The way they shut down your very good prosecutor, and you had some very bad people involved. Mr. Giuliani is a highly respected man. He was the mayor of New York City, a great mayor, and I would like him to call you. I will ask him to call you along with the Attorney General. Rudy very much knows what's happening. He's a very capable guy. If you speak to him, that would be great. This former ambassador from the United States, the woman, was bad news, and the people she was dealing with in the Ukraine were bad news. So I just want to let you know that. The other thing, there's a lot of talk about Biden's son, that Biden stopped the prosecution. A lot of people want to find out about that. So whatever you can do with the Attorney General would be great. Biden went around bragging that he stopped the prosecution. So if you can look into it, it sounds horrible to me. I wanted to tell you about the prosecutor. First of all, I understand and I'm knowledgeable about the situation. Since we have won the absolute majority in our parliament, the next Prosecutor General will be 100% my person, my candidate, who will be approved by the parliament and will start as a new prosecutor in September. He or she will look into that situation, specifically to the company that you mentioned in this issue. The issue of the investigation of the case is actually the issue of making sure to restore the honesty, so we will take care of that, and we'll work on the investigation of the case. On top of that, I would kindly ask you if you have any additional information that you can provide to us. It would be very helpful for the investigation to make sure that we administer justice in our country with regard to the ambassador to the United States from Ukraine. As far as I can recall, her name was Ivanovich. It was great that you were the first one who told me that she was a bad ambassador because I agree with you 100%. Her attitude towards me was far from the best as she admired the previous president and she was on his side. She would not accept me as a new president well enough. 
Well, she's going to go through some things. I will have Mr. Giuliani give you a call, and I'm also going to have Attorney General Barr call, and we will get to the bottom of it. I'm sure you will figure it out. I heard the prosecutor was treated very badly. He was a very fair prosecutor, so good luck with everything. Your economy is going to get better and better, I predict. You have a lot of assets. It's a great country. I have many Ukrainian friends. They are incredible people. I would like to tell you that I also have quite a few Ukrainian friends that live in the United States. Actually, last time I traveled to the United States, I stayed in New York near Central Park, and I stayed at the Trump Tower. I will talk to them, and I hope to see them again in the future. I also wanted to thank you for your invitation to visit the United States, specifically Washington, D.C. On the other hand, I want to assure you that we will be very serious about the case, and we'll work on the investigation. As to the economy, there is much potential for our two countries, and one of the issues that is very important for Ukraine is energy independence. I believe we can be very successful in cooperating on energy independence with the United States. We are already working on cooperation. We are buying American oil, but I am very hopeful for a future meeting. We will have more time and more opportunities to discuss these opportunities and get to know each other better. I would like to thank you very much for your support. Good. Well, thank you very much, and I appreciate that. I will tell Rudy and Attorney General Barr to call. Thank you. Whenever you would like to come to the White House, feel free to call. Give us a date. We'll work that out. I look forward to seeing you. Thank you very much. I would be very happy to come and would be happy to meet with you personally and get to know you better. I'm looking forward to our meeting, and I also would like to invite you to visit Ukraine and come to the city of Kiev, which is a beautiful city. We have a beautiful country which would welcome you. On the other hand, I believe that on September 1st, we will be in Poland, and we can meet in Poland, hopefully. After that, it might be a very good idea for you to travel to Ukraine. We can either take my plane and go to Ukraine, or we can take your plane, which is probably much better than mine. Okay, we can work that out. I look forward to seeing you in Washington and maybe in Poland because I think we're going to be there at that time. Thank you very much, Mr. President. Congratulations on a fantastic job you've done. The whole world was watching. I'm sure it was so much of an upset, but congratulations. Thank you, Mr. President. Bye-bye. All right. As you just heard, President Trump was played by the brilliant Hugh Hewitt in that exchange. And uh, uh, the president of Ukraine was played by the brilliant Generalissimo. They wanted to go back to back and forth because sometimes when you just read it in print, it's a little bit tough. You can't quite you know, understand exactly what's going on. But I think when you listen to it rather than try to read it and process it, uh, it, it makes it even more clear than it was otherwise. There was nothing untoward. Nothing illegal and certainly not anything that would rise to the level of impeachable in that phone call. Now, if you want to discuss it more that you, now that you've heard it, dial me up now. We'll take your phone calls, 216-901-0945 or 888-281-1110, right after this on the Bob Francis Network. All right, 1026. I was listening for music there. I don't know if I'm not going to get it or not, but that's okay. Uh, what I'll do is I'll bring it in, and I'll uh, talk to Lenny in Highland Heights. Lenny, you are on AM 1420, The Answer. Thanks for your patience through the role play there by uh, uh, Hugh Hewitt and his producer. Go ahead, Lenny. Hi. I think that was that reading of that was just very, very powerful. I would urge you to have have Hugh Hewitt or or Salem somehow put that online so that people can hear it. I think it was 
much more effective than reading it. I've read it numerous times, and the the, the audio presentation was really powerful. Totally agree. And I hope, he, I hope he'll replay to his national audience. You know what I may do? I'm hosting the Larry Elder Show tonight, which is, of course, nationally syndicated. So I may, I may borrow that and play it again for a larger audience tonight on Larry Elder Show, because I really do. I that agree would, with you. When you hear it going back and forth, you hear what yeah. a conversation sounds like. You do not hear somebody pressing somebody else, somebody trying to blackmail or trying to uh, squeeze somebody else into doing something for them. It was absolutely uh, you know, a perfectly appropriate call between two world leaders. Could I now add a criticism? I would hope you would drop the word demon demon rat. I think it detracts from your your commentary, which is otherwise excellent, and I think there's no sense in, in, in devolving into name-calling. Democrats is fine. I think it's, you know, it was cute at first, but I think it's being overused. And well, I think I calling... I, no, I, you know what, and I can take criticism, Lenny. I really can, and I will not, uh, you know, argue with you. I, I, I will disagree uh, politely and respectfully, and, and, because, quite frankly, when they stop acting demonic, I'll stop t- calling them demons. Uh, you know, to be honest with you, what they are doing is such a fundamental threat to the liberty um, that we enjoy in this country by way of our Constitution, because they are shredding it on a daily basis. It is demonic. I think their I think their origin here, you know, from deep down inside them, what the you know the things that they are doing comes from a place of evil, comes from a place of trying to control a population, trying to gain unchecked power for their own nefarious purposes. And quite frankly, I find that evil. And I think I, I think one of the most important things we can and should do is call evil what it is. And evil and I, demonic are syn- synonymous with one another. And besides, there's only one letter difference between Democrat and Democrat. I, 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 I can't disagree that they are evil and reprehensible, but I think it doesn't add, I think it detracts from your normal presentation. Well, I, I, I respectfully appreciate, I really do, I respect and appreciate, I should say, uh, okay. that point of view, my friend. Thank you for the call. Um, and, and yeah, but I mean, you know, there are some jabs that we're going to take, uh, and, and some of them we will hold off on. Uh, that one I think is pretty harmless and pretty benign, and I think it's also pretty, same thing with the squad. They like to call themselves the squad, I call them the squids. Uh, AOC likes to call herself, uh, you know, her name actually is Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, and I think it's more appropriate to call her what she is, which is Alexandria Damasio-Cortez. Uh, I think, uh, calling Sharia Talib, Rashida Talib, Sharia Talib really exemplifies who she is. She is the leader of the Jihadi Caucus, okay? She and Ilhan Omar are parts of the Jihadi Caucus. Ilhan Omar, of course, is Jihad Omar to me. So I'm going to call them the way that I see them, uh, particularly the evil part of this whole thing. Uh, now, I'm sure if I had one of them on the air, I wouldn't be able to get away with doing that. I would have to use them by their proper names and their proper party representation and so on and so forth. But I think one of the big mistakes we as conservatives do is we neglect and we fail to call um, our opponents and to call their ideology and to recognize it for what it is. It is evil. What they're doing is trying to perpetrate evil. And they're trying to uh, harm in, great, in, a, in, a, in a great many ways uh, the population of this great country. And if we don't rise up and recognize that evil and fight back accordingly, they'll be successful. News time now. Right back after this on AM 1420, The Answer. Ten thirty-five. 
That means, by my count, 25 minutes of outstanding awesome left for you in this broadcast. Mike Gallagher will take over at 11. Then you're going to have Dennis Prager. Then you're going to have Michael, or excuse me, then you're going to have Dr. G, Dr. Sebastian Gorka. I had a flashback there for a second. Uh, Jay Sekulow Live, then the Larry Elder Show, and I'll be back with you. I'll be hosting Larry's show tonight. Uh, it'll air from 7 to nine, or seven to 10, I should say, 6 to 9 live, 7 to 10 here on AM 1420, The Answer. So make sure that you are tuned in for that. By the way, I just got a message from somebody. I love, I, I have to say, I, you know, and this isn't just, uh, you know, being bootlicky to to the company, but I love being a part of this lineup. I just got a message from somebody on my Facebook page who said, it was better when Sebastian Gorka and Leroy read it last week. Hugh is a little late to the table here. I did not know this had already been done uh, by uh, Dr. G. I missed that. So uh, Dr. G and Leroy did the uh, back-and-forth reading of the uh, transcript the way that Hugh and Generalissimo did today, which I found very, very helpful. The last caller mentioned it, too. It's a lot easier to digest and understand. Uh, that that way. So I'm going to play one of those or both of them on the uh, Larry Elder Show tonight. Of course, I should probably check to see if Larry hasn't already done it as well. But I think it's great. That's what I love, like I said, about being a part of this uh, a part of this lineup because they really are the very best at what they do. I want to pivot a little bit of the discussion here now uh, to the response from Majority Leader Kevin McCarthy. He, of course, is the counterpart to Nancy Pelosi, but he just doesn't have her power because he's the minority leader. But Kevin McCarthy, did I say majority? I think I may have said majority. My apologies, of course. He was the minority leader as the Republican leader in the House. Um, he was on with Scott Pelley on 60 Minutes. And he underscored the fact that what you heard in that transcript that I played for you, the transcript reading, the president did absolutely nothing impeachable. impeachable. I see two leaders, he said, having admiration for one another not intimidation. And I think it's impossible, quite frankly, unless you are truly afflicted with TDS, which is Trump derangement syndrome, it's impossible to disagree with them. Listen to this exchange. What do you make of this exchange? President Zelensky says we are almost ready to buy more javelins from the United States for defense purposes. And President Trump replies, I would like you to do us a favor, though. You just added another word. No, it's you said, in I'd the like transcript. you to do a favor, though. Yes, it's in the it's in when the I read White the tra- House transcript. When I read the transcript, President Zelensky brings up a javelin as a protection for anti-tank, something that President Obama would not sell. That President Trump did to protect the Ukraine. How do you expect the president's defense to roll out going forward? going to pause before the rest of this continues because what McCarthy said is what I was talking about last week. It's extremely important. The new president of Ukraine understands and knows that the last president of the United States was no friend to the Ukrainians, would do nothing for them. They, Barack Obama talked a big game when he told Vladimir Putin not to annex Crimea. He joined uh, the vo- a chorus of voices internationally to not invade Ukraine. And then when they did, he did absolutely nothing for them, would not provide Ukraine with any weaponry, would not provide them with any uh, uh, opportunity to defend themselves, sent them MREs you know, for their troops. That's about it. So the, it should be pointed out, that what the new president of Ukraine was looking for here was to establish a good relationship with this presidential administration, one who has already supplied them 
Donald Trump and his administration has already supplied the um, Ukraine, uh, supplied Ukraine, I keep saying the Ukraine, with uh, so much more in terms of military defense than what the Obama administration did in the entirety of uh, Obama's two terms. So now the new president is coming in saying we might be ready to do some more business on this front. It's important. And for Kevin McCarthy to say, look, there's a reason why he's asking because he didn't get anything from the, or they, he wasn't president then, they didn't get anything from the uh, last administration. The defense of what? Well, there's an impeachment inquiry. Yeah. There's an impeach inquiry going forward. It probably never would move forward had the speaker waited 48 hours to have the transcript. We vote on important things every day, but there are certain votes that are different than others. Sending men and women off to war is the most difficult vote any member of Congress would ever make. I'll ask you again, how does the defense of the president, in your view, roll out from here? Why would we move forward with impeachment? There's not something that you have to defend here. You say the president has done nothing wrong. I take that to mean that you find it appropriate that the president asked Mr. Zelensky for an investigation of his Democratic rivals. The question before the House of Representatives is to impeach the president based upon a phone call that the speaker never even heard. Mr. Leader, with great respect to you, and I apologize for interrupting, but these are the White House talking points that were emailed to the Congress earlier this week. And I am asking you, was it appropriate for the president to ask for investigations of his Democratic rivals with another foreign leader? I've never seen one talking point from a White House. I'm talking to you based upon the most important facts we have. The whistleblower wasn't on the call. The IG, Inspector General, didn't read the call. But you and I have all the information we need. The president did nothing in this phone call that's impeachable. Uh, the rest impeachable. That got clipped off at the end there. <clears throat> it's important to understand. Pelly doesn't want to, CBS in this case, in 60 Minutes, does not want to hear what Kevin McCarthy is saying. There is no defense that is going to be raised because there is no defense necessary other than the transcript. The transcript itself is the president's defense. That's why he released it. The president's defense here is that he did not ask Ukraine to investigate a Democratic rival for the White House. He asked him to look into uh, the allegations of corruption in the Ukrainian government, an entity to which we send hundreds of millions and, in fact, reaching into the billions of dollars. Investigating corruption, investigating the fact that a Ukrainian oligarch hired the sitting vice president of the United States' son to sit on their board of their energy company, which is funded by the Ukrainian government, in part, without having any experience in energy, natural gas, or oil, or even speaking Ukrainian, and paid him $600,000 a year to sit on that board. For what purpose? Because if that's an indication of the way the Ukrainian government runs, we may have to rethink our business with Ukraine. That is absolutely appropriate. The fact that Joe Biden is running for president uh, as a Democrat and, and potentially may, if, if he wins the nomination, may oppose Donald Trump is secondary to the point.
And again, President Trump was not the first one to bring up Joe Biden's name. The Ukrainian president, Zelensky, was the first one to bring up Joe Biden's name. And then President Trump followed up with, yeah, you should probably look into that. Because we need to make sure that we have a a government here that we are doing business with that is not misusing the funds that we send them or using it for corruption. The defense of the president is the transcript, which is why it needs to be focused on. And quite frankly, the other defense of the president would be the first part of what I talked about in the first hour, and that is the deep state intelligence community changing the whistleblower requirements uh, shortly before President Trump's phone call. They were looking for a way and a reason to, quote-unquote, blow the whistle on President Trump. They had no idea what for at the time. Finding a way to lower the requirements to make sure that they can fi- the uh, uh, begin impeachment proceedings against President Trump. This is what they planned from, as I said at the beginning of the show, and I apologize for the uh, redundancy, but it's what they planned literally before the election. Let me say it again. Before the election. Not after, not after his inauguration, not after any of the moves he made as president in his first, uh, you know, 100 days, not after the things that he did in his first year or two years. This was planned before he was ever elected. It was part of the insurance policy that Peter Strzok assured his lover, Lisa Page, that they had in place in the unlikely event he was to defeat Hillary Clinton. We have an insurance policy in place. And part of that was exactly what we just saw lay out over the course of the last uh, several months. At some point in these last several months, prior to the president's call with Ukraine, they changed the whistleblower requirements so that you don't have to actually hear firsthand what you are complaining about. You do not have to have firsthand knowledge. You can hear it from a second or from a, fir- a secondary source. And Lord only knows what that level goes to. Can you hear it from a second source and a third and a fourth? And is it is the fourth person to hear the story aloud? To be the one who's a whistleblower and say, well, this is what I heard from somebody who heard from somebody who heard from somebody. Uh, we think that the president did here and why we think it's illegal. Why would they lower that standard from necessary first-hand knowledge from a whistleblower to second- or third-hand knowledge? Why would they lower that standard? Because it's all part of the deep state. And Lindsey Graham who's been defending the president, knows it, which is why he is telling his counterparts on the House side, particularly Speaker Nancy Pelosi, if you want to really begin an impeachment inquiry, then stop dawdling and do it. I have zero problems with this phone call. There is no quid pro quo here. But I do have a problem with Nancy Pelosi. If you believe that Donald Trump did something to hurt this country, you owe it to vote, not talk about impeaching the president. The only way to open up an impeachment inquiry is to vote. Vote. Hold your members accountable. Put it up for a vote. Tell all of the the, um, constituents in each of their districts how they feel about this. And then when it turns out to be the great big nothing burger that most of us know it to be, they will have to answer to those voters when they are up for re-election. I think this whole thing is a sham. I can't believe we're talking about impeaching the president based on an accusation based on hearsay. Who is this whistleblower? What bias do they have? Why did they pick this whistleblower? blower to tell a hearsay story the transcript does not match the complaint 
It absolutely does not. Representative Doug Collins also spoke There's out There's a lot that. of questions that still need to be answered here, but not having firsthand knowledge, especially if something as important as a phone call between two world leaders, when if you look at the actual whistleblower complaint, this is not about involving abuse of an intelligence community issue. This is not about what whistleblowers normally use for. This is really a disagreement over policy, a disagreement over what they thought the tone was in a phone call. And when you look at the transcript, it was not there. It's not even disagreement about policy or tone. It's about the demon rats having a disagreement with the American voters who chose this man in November 2016. Legally and convincingly. Electoral college numbers speaking, uh, convincingly. This, the, their, their disagreement is with the American people. Their disagreement is there's no way the American people could have voted for this guy over our Hillary. And that's why they vowed before it even happened to take him down. Esther is calling us from Cleveland on AM 1420, The Answer. Esther, go ahead. Thanks. Some of this just makes me think of same old, same old, the distinguishing between the way that ladies and gentlemen handle the news or just men and women. I see people taking things out of context, jumping to conclusions too soon, the second hand, third hand, uh, to leave with her uh, being a leader in the in Congress, but then using the MF to refer to the president. And I'm thinking of this elephant story. It's probably very familiar to a lot of people. The blind people are touching different parts of the elephant to try to describe the elephant. Some people deal with the tail, and they think, oh, the elephant's like a rope, and other aspects of the elephant. So it's just taking things out of context, and just it just it's everything messed up. Well, it is all of those things, uh, and, and it's more than just out of context. I see something, somebody can take something out of context um, innocently and not understand what was being said here because of their lack of understanding of the context. Others will intentionally blur the context to make something appear to be something it is not. And that is the problem that I have, and that's the problem we should all have, quite frankly, with this. Uh, this is an intent to um, skew the conversation that President Trump had, which was an innocent one, and, and to skew the impression of that into something that was intentionally trying to subvert the American electoral process. And why are they doing this? Because they've already... Fa- and, and by the way, their acknowledgement of this, or let me rephrase, their belief in this, their attempt at this, is an acknowledgement that the Trump-Russia collusion story is dead and buried. They failed. Didn't happen. Put that to bed. You notice no one is talking about Russia now. It is all about this one, all about Ukraine. And they tried the same game. President Trump colluded with a foreign power to to uh, help steal the election. When they could not prove that because it did not happen with Russia, now they're saying, well, he's attempting to steal the next one with Ukraine. So it's, it's an acknowledgement that the first one was wrong. It was a hoax. They got it wrong, either unintentionally or intentionally. And now they're starting all over again, and this time preemptively. But that's that's where we were. The President of the United States has a message by way of Twitter for the American people. What's going on now is the single greatest scam in the history of American politics. The Democrats want to take away your guns. They want to take away your health care. They want to take away your vote. They want to take away your freedom. They want to take away your judges. They want to take away everything. We can never let this happen. We're fighting to drain the swamp, and that's exactly what I'm doing. And you see why we have to do it. Because our country is at stake like never before. It's all very simple. They're trying to stop me because I'm fighting for you. And I'll never let that happen. I cannot 
possibly agree more with the president, particularly that last line. He literally is fighting for us. They are literally fighting to, and this is going to sound awful, but I'm just going to say it. Look, it's reality. When you have socialist candidates for president on the demon rat side, socialism is the enslavement of the populace. They want total control over your lives. What you can eat, what you can drive, how you can dress, what you can use, etc., etc. They want total control. And to me, that means he is trying to stop them from enslaving us. And that is far enough of a reason for me to fight for him. Back after this. All right, final segment of the broadcast. It's 10.55. We'll try to squeeze in a couple more calls here before the top of the hour once again. You do have Mike Gallagher, excuse me, coming up uh, at 11. You'll have Dennis Prager. You'll have Dr. G. And I did just find, and I actually had it sent to me, thank you so much to Billy for sending me the uh, actual clip of uh, Dr. Gorka doing the same thing that Hugh Hewitt and Dwayne did this morning, which is a back-and-forth reading of the uh, transcript, which is so very important. If you missed that... Go back and listen by way of the podcast page uh, on whkradio.com. Listen to Hugh's program this morning, or I replayed that nine-minute, uh, nine-and-a-half-minute clip between him and Generalissimo reading the transcript of the president's conversation with Zelensky. It is so much more valuable to hear it in uh, c- uh, conversational tone rather than just trying to read cold, hard words on a paper and not understanding how anything was said. It's really, really important to hear that. Uh, so find it on whkradio.com or... Tune in. This is where I was going with this. Tune into the Larry Elder Show this evening, starting at 7 o'clock, because I will be hosting for Larry tonight, and very much looking forward to that. I will replay it at that time. Let me squeeze one in here from uh, Dan, who is in Avon on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, Dan. Go ahead. Hey, good morning, Bob. How are you? Good morning. I'm great. Thanks. Yeah, I know you're rushed for time, but I got up. Uh, you just mentioned one thing um, uh, about Gigi's Playhouse. You were... You know, you helped us out uh, for your listeners. Gigi's Playhouse is, um, you know, a uh, an awareness center for children and adults and teens with Down syndrome. And you were so instrumental early on with us. And I know you'd never pat yourself on the back, but everything is going great. And they're helping over 250 families right now in Northeast Ohio with with uh, children or teens wonderful. or adults. Yeah. So thank you early on. You're so very good big to help us early on. Yeah. But uh, hey, how, I, many, I how, many, how many locations but, are there of Gigi's Playhouse? Uh, there's now 38 across the country, and only one in Ohio so far, which is ours in Cleveland. But they're 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 working on a, a second one in um, in Canton right now. So. Wonderful! That is so nice. Yeah, to hear. yeah. But anyways, hey, I've been trying to get a hold for about two months, and this is off topic, but about gun control. And, That's uh, all right. Using, Go ahead. Yeah, using uh, rush terminology, I'm I'm 99.9 percent agreement with both of you guys. I'm a firm believer in the Second Amendment, but. My question is, is why do I, as a, as a citizen, really need to be able to have an assault weapon? I mean, if we get to that point, Bob, where I need to have an assault weapon, we've got so many big problems, and there's no way I, as a private citizen, could ever match the capability of our government as far as weaponry. You know what I mean? Right. I do know what yeah, you mean. I, Dan, I, I'll tell you what, <clears throat> because I'm, I don't have enough time to play it for you gotcha. now. Are, are you on social media? I am, yep. Okay. 
I'm going to post on my Facebook page. In fact, I might have already done it, but I'll repost it or I'll put it to Thank the top you. or something. There was testimony given before a congressional sub, a congressional subcommittee about this very, very question uh, okay. by a woman who explains it so much better in about three and a half, four minutes that, that I don't have now than I could about exactly why an AR-15 is so much more perfectly ideal, depending on who you are, for home okay. defense than perhaps, for example, a simple handgun. Um, gotcha. I mean, I cannot tell you how absolutely perfect it is. This is, again, testimony given before Congress. It's a reality. It's, it's, it's a real story. It's not just, you know, well, maybe this, maybe this is why. After you hear that, Dan, I want you to call me back. And you know what I'll try to do? I'm going to make a note. I'm going to make a note. Derek, do me a favor. Send me a reminder to do this on the Elder Show. I'll even do this on the Larry Elder Show tonight, nationally. I'll play this one way or the other. If you hear it on Facebook uh, or if you uh, hear it on, on the show later on, Dan, call me back after and tell me what your thoughts are on it because I think it'll really, really open your eyes and, uh, and maybe blow your mind. Hey, thank All right, my you so friend. Much. You Thanks got it. You thank do. you. Thank you for the phone call. I appreciate it. There is a really, really, really great question that has a really, really great answer there about how and why it is that um, the Second Amendment rights should not be limited to what the government tells you you can and cannot have or use. Because, quite frankly, uh, not everybody can handle or, or can handle different firearms in the exact same way. It's up to the individual. You'll hear that later. I'll be back with you on the Larry Elder Show tonight. Mike Gallagher's next. We'll see you. Bye-bye. Enjoy the silence. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.